Hey there, Oscar Boyd. Long time no talk. Hey, Sean McKenna. How's it going? Oh, it's going well, thanks. But I've hit a snag with the podcast, and I'm wondering if you can help me out. This week, we're talking to Japan Times reporter Tomoko Otake for an episode on cultured meat, or cultivated meat, or lab-grown meat, whatever we're calling it. The thing is, I can't find anyone here who's actually tried it. However, I remember hearing on your Zero podcast that you had eaten some when you were at COP27 last year. Yeah, so back in November, we went to COP27, which was in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, and we received this invite to try cultivated meat for the first time, well, for the first time for me, and it was by this company called Eat Just, and they have a brand of cultivated meat, they call it Good Meat, and they in Singapore are in a bioreactor, in a lab somewhere, creating lab-grown meat. Oscar, you tried lab-grown meat at the COP conference in Sharm el-Sheikh last year. Tell us about that dining experience. So we received this invite and they invited us down to this beachside villa where there was a man playing the steel pans and some clarinet music and there was kind of whale sound going on in the background. It was all very luxe and shishi feeling. And they set us down at these tables and they served us lab-grown chicken in three different ways. How did they serve it? So the first way they served it was a fried chicken skewer. And every time I say chicken, I'm going to say it's in quote marks because it is lab-grown chicken. And that was with red peppers, red onions, and served on a lentil soup. The second course we had was deep-fried chicken skin, which was just cooked in oil and heavily salted, so it was absolutely delicious. And the third way they had it was the one that resembled a piece of chicken the most. It was the largest bit of individual chicken we were served and it was meant to be grilled chicken thigh meat and that was served on a bed of mushrooms and rice. How did it compare to actual chicken? Well, so I mean, that's the big question, right? I would say it's chicken-esque. Okay. It was good. It was edible. It was tasty. And, you know, bear in mind we were being served it, you know, probably the most fancy way. There was a dedicated chef cooking it over this lovely charcoal fire in this beautiful setting, and they'd served us plenty of alcohol to help wash it down as well. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. Is it chicken? No. But then at the same time, it's all come from a bioreactor somewhere in a lab. So actually, what it is is very, very impressive. It's not a chicken off a bird. It's chicken that is human-produced, human-made, human-grown in a lab. Could you see yourself kind of switching from meat to this? Well, so far, I haven't grown feathers or produced wings or anything like that. So from the kind of freaky uh, sci-fi nature, yeah, I think it's totally fine to eat it. Um, The big challenge with it at the moment is that it's vastly expensive to produce. Mm. So... I tried to inquire and get the price off the people who are producing the meal, but they wouldn't actually tell us how much it would cost. And I think that's the biggest factor right now. They're also, you know, as part of it being very expensive, they're only producing it in very small quantities. So it's just not available to replace meats at the moment. That being said, in their projections, the company Eat Just, they were saying that by 2028, they hope to have it on the same price and be able to scale it up to actually start replacing chicken properly. Then... The other big challenge is it's not been approved in many countries so far. Mm. So their particular formulation has been approved to eat and for sale in Singapore, but it was their first time ever serving it outside of Singapore. So they had to do actually a special deal with the Egyptian government to be able to bring it in and serve it at this COP conference. So yeah, so there's, there's a lot of challenges in place still before it can go commercially. That being said, 
especially that last meal where it was the chicken breast or chicken thigh mixed in with rice and mushrooms, it was very hard to tell the difference. Right. Do you think that cultured meat is something that's likely to win over vegetarians? So people are vegetarian for different reasons. You know, some people don't like the cruelty that comes with animal production. Some people do it for environmental reasons. And then some people just don't want to eat animals at all. And that last category might have the biggest problem with it because it is still using at its base cells that are extracted from animals. That being said, I don't think that's really the important question. It's not designed to win over vegetarians. What it's designed to do is win over meat eaters because vegetarians are already eating vegetarian diets, which are relatively environmentally friendly most of the time. And what this company and other companies in the space who are also producing cultivated meats are trying to do is to produce alternatives to people who really want to eat meat. And, you know, lots of people like eating meat and that's, a, that's an okay thing to do. But it has an enormous environmental footprint. So those are the people that need to be won over, and that will be the real test of whether this can be adopted and eaten at scale. Yeah, that was my question for you in particular. Is cultured meat better for the environment? It's not being done at a large enough scale at the moment to truly know. Mm. What we do know about the meat industry, and in particular beef, is that it takes up a huge amount of land. And that's land for grazing, that's land to grow crops that are fed directly to cows. And when we're talking about land, all of that land is land that could otherwise be used for rainforests, which are, you know, giant carbon sinks, but also fantastic for biodiversity as well. And so that, I think, is the greatest potential benefit of if you can get something that is grown in these tiny bioreactors off the ground, it will just massively reduce our kind of land footprint that we use to sustain our very meat-heavy food system at the moment. Doesn't it take a lot of resources to produce this lab-grown meat, though? Well, yeah, it does. It takes a lot of electricity primarily to uh, power these bioreactors and make sure that you can actually divide the cells to produce meat from them. And that is an issue. So I think, you know, if you're really thinking about doing this in an environmentally friendly way or in a low carbon way, then the electricity for that needs to be coming from renewable sources or fossil free sources like wind, like solar. And that will be an important part of making this as environmentally friendly as possible. I think, though, you know, we've been talking about this particular meat I ate, which was cultivated chicken. The greatest potential does seem to be for cultivated beef. Again, coming back to that point of land use. So even if you were to power the bioreactors to grow beef using the most carbon intensive fossil fuels, according to a Dutch study who've looked into this, it would still be better using those fossil fuels than farming beef in our usual way. All right. Well, thanks very much for coming back to Deep Dive and telling us about your experience, Oscar. Uh, Next time you're in Tokyo, I guess the animal cells are on me. Well, thanks very much. Thanks again to Oscar Boyd, original Deep Dive host, for coming back to the show. You can check out his new podcast, Zero, on your favorite podcasting platform. I recommend checking out one particular episode titled How to Quit Your Job for the Climate, which is all about people who've made the decision to leave their jobs for a new career in the climate space. We'll be back after a quick break. Tomoko Otake writes about health and science for the Japan Times, and her latest piece is on how cultured meat is being received in Japan. Tomoko, welcome to Deep Dive. Thanks for having me. First of all, 
meat grown in a lab is being called cultured meat. It's being called cultivated meat. What is it called in Japan? It's called bayo niku. And bayo actually means cultivation or culture.、Uh-huh. And niku means meat. Gotcha. Okay, so for your piece, you visited the labs at the University of Tokyo, but you didn't get the chance to sample any bio niku. Is that right? That's correct. I asked, but I wasn't allowed to taste it. Okay, why is that? Oh, it's because it's not legal here yet.、Ah. There's no regulatory framework for bio niku yet. You did speak to Shoji Takeuchi, though, and he has tried it. Who is Takeuchi? And more importantly, how did he say it tasted? He's a scientist and he specializes in tissue engineering. He tried some lab grown beef in March last year at a tasting event on campus. Okay. But he had to get permission from the university's ethics review board to prove that it was safe and made entirely from edible materials.、Uh, he said that they didn't quite taste like beef, although it had umami and it was chewy. Okay. How did Takeuchi get into the field of cultured meat? Well, His field of research is biohybrid robotics, which combines robotics and bioengineering. For example, when you cut your finger,、uh, your skin gets damaged, but it has the ability to naturally heal itself after a while, right? Yeah. So last year, Takeuchi created a robotic finger that is covered with living skin tissue,、mm-hmm. which is soft and, and can heal itself. Yeah. That's an example of a biohybrid robot that he has created. I see. So, he thought about how he can find applications for his technology. And that's how he came up with this idea of creating meat from real cells of cattle. Okay. So, he saw the work of Dutch pharmacologist Mark Post, who presented a lab grown beef burger in 2013, which cost $325,000. Wow. Now that's a real whopper. <laughs> that's right. With his interest in reconstructing muscle tissue, Takeuchi brought Mark Post to Japan the following year to give a lecture. Well, I think most people just don't realize that, that the current meat production is at its maximum and it's not going to supply sufficient meat for the growing demand in the coming、uh, 40 years. So we need to come up with an alternative. There's no question. And this can be an ethical and environmentally friendly way to produce meat. So Mark Post created. Uh, kind of like a patty that was more like ground beef. Is that what Takeuchi is interested in creating? No, he's more interested in creating a beef steak. Oh, like an actual piece of steak. That's right. Beef steak needs to be thick,、uh-huh. meaning that he needs to stack many layers of gel sheet containing muscle fiber, just like real meat. Gel sheets, okay. So he received a piece of real beef from a meat factory in Tokyo, cut it into small pieces, and put those pieces through filters. He extracts what are called myoblasts, which can grow into muscle cells. Then he soaks them in a cultural medium. The cells grow and multiply in a petri dish in about a week. His hope is to create a 100 gram beef steak by 2025. By 2025, does that mean we could be eating lab grown dinners in a couple of years? No, no, we're still out of beginning stages. Ah, okay. Yeah, the government still has to regulate the industry. Remember how I wasn't allowed to try the meat when I visited Tokyo University? Right, so no lab grown dinners anytime soon. That's right. But I spoke to Moeha Ido, an official at the Agriculture Ministry, and she told me 
that cultured meat is a new type of food that has yet to be consumed. So the ministry is currently considering what kind of safety assurance would be necessary. Hmm, I smell a lot of panels for discussing this issue further in the future. Yeah, but the agricultural ministry published a draft vision on the promotion of food tech in December. And based on the results, uh, they're going to put together a public-private consortium of government agencies, researchers, and food producers. And they're going to meet in late February to adopt a draft vision. Who are the firms that are working on this in Japan? You mentioned the Nishin Foods in your piece. That's right. Uh, Nishin is famous as a maker of instant noodles. Have you heard of uh, cup noodles? Yes. Yeah, so they are the maker of cup noodles. They approached Takeuchi and offered the jointly developed cultural meat in 2017. And Nishin's researchers are working in Takeuchi's lab now. So in the meantime, I guess Professor Takeuchi and Nishin will continue working on that steak. That's right. And who knows what things he might learn about muscle tissue cultivation in the process. Mm. It may end up tasting better than what we are having now. Hmm. And with less harm done to animals, it seems. Are you interested in trying lab-grown meat yourself? I would definitely try it out, out of journalistic curiosity. (laughs) But a lot depends on how it looks and how it feels. Uh Uh, Right now, the cell-based beef created by Takeuchi has no color, and they put food coloring to make it look reddish. Okay, so it sounds like a tentative yes from you. That's right. Well, after the break, we'll find out if the rest of Japan feels the same way. Will you want to try cultured meat? Sure, why not? I I see how processed it is. If it's too processed, then not really. Uh, I guess so. I've already tried it, I think. And what did it taste like to you? Meat. That was a two-year-old clip from the YouTube account for Happy TV Media, which is based out of Singapore. The host there was asking Singaporeans what they thought about their country being the first nation in the world to approve cultured meat products for sale. Those products came from Californian company Eat Just, who also provided the meal that Oscar described at the top of the show. Tomiko, from the random sampling in that clip, it seems like Singaporeans were at least up for giving cultured meat a chance. What do people in Japan think about it? Well... Making it is one thing, but getting people to eat it is another. Right now, Singapore is the only country in the world to allow the sale of cultural meat. Oh, okay. In Japan, though, uh, a survey of 4,000 people was done in 2021 by researcher Aiko Hibino, and that found that 32% expressed some interest in trying out cultured meat, while 34% said they had no or little interest. What about the other 34%? Um, They're not sure or they cannot agree with either side, Mm -hmm. which is understandable because some people in Japan may not have even heard of this concept yet. Mm. They're not actually opposed to it. It's just a matter of how it's presented, I think. Mm. So when they were asked whether cultured meat could help solve the world's food crisis, nearly half of the people were okay with the concept. Okay. I guess those kinds of surveys aren't perfect either. Like when those shoppers are faced with the decision of whether to buy real meat or cultured meat in the actual supermarket, they may stick with what they know, right? That's right. How do Japanese consumers compare to people overseas? 
Well, I think it's worth noting that people overseas are more likely to want to try it. Mm. Perhaps more because it's considered an environmentally responsible form of dining. Yeah. But in the same survey that I just talked about, uh, people in their 20s seem more keen to try it, perhaps because they are more environmentally conscious of what they eat. Ah, those are young people in Japan. That's right. One thing we haven't made clear is that we're not talking about plant-based meat, which has already arrived in Japan. Do you know if that's convincing people to switch from actual meat? Well, I can only say that there has been an increase in those type of products, particularly in Japanese supermarkets. I think a lot of them became popular during the pandemic because they were perceived as a healthier choice. Okay. So I think that was more of a factor than environmental concerns in getting Japanese people to change the diet. Okay. I guess also in Japan, there's a dietary history of like tofu and soy products. So it's not that big a jump. Um, does Japan have any problems with food shortages at the moment? I know that there's a risk of eel and tuna kind of disappearing. That's right. Um, overall, Japan's food self-sufficiency rate on the basis of calories intake is very low. It currently stands at 36%. Okay, so that's the number of calories needed to sustain the population. That's correct. As an average. Okay, 36%. That's pretty low. For comparison, Canada's food self-sufficiency rate is 255%. Oh, 255 compared to Japan's 36. That's correct. Huh. Whereas Australia, the rate is 233%. Wow. How about Europe? Well, uh, rates in Europe are a bit lower, 68% in Britain and 59% in Italy. Huh. But Japan wants to raise its rates to 45% by 2030. So currently Japan has to import a lot of its food is what you're saying. Are they perhaps thinking that cultured meat could play a role in changing that dependency in the future? Yes. Uh, in that sense, I think they are thinking cultured meat could help in the future. Actually, you also mentioned eel and tuna, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Bayogyo is the term for cultured fish. Bayogyo, Okay. Yeah, you think that given the culinary traditions of Japan, scientists here might try to focus work on lab-grown fish? Well, actually, research here is actually slow compared to Singapore, mm. where the cultural seafood startup Shock Meat is trying to seek approval to sell a lab-grown shrimp by April. Now, I did read that there's a company in Japan called Food and Life Companies. Do you know them? Yeah, they operate the Sushi Row, the conveyor belt sushi restaurant chain. Oh, okay. Well, they're working with a U.S. startup called Blue Nalu that's developing cell culture seafood products. Yes, they're trying to develop toro, so bluefin tuna, and other sushi-grade products. Also, in August, Maruhanichiro, which is a major fishery, aquaculture, and food processing company, announced that they're going to form a joint research and development project on Bayogyo with a Japanese startup called Integriculture and Ichimasa, who makes kamaboko fish base. Ah, uh, those who've been to Japan may have seen kamaboko, right? It's white and has a pink border. It looks like candy, but it's fish. Yes, it definitely doesn't taste like candy. <laughs> well, Tomoko Otake, thanks for joining us on Deep Dive. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Tomoko Otake for coming onto the podcast. You can find a link to her story in the show notes. And of course, check out her byline for the latest developments on COVID-19 and other science and health-related topics too. 
And thanks again to Oscar Boyd for joining us at the top of the program. Elsewhere in the Japan Times, after a video of a Japanese teenager acting unhygienically at a Sushiro conveyor belt sushi restaurant went viral, the Japanese phrase sushi terrorism was seemingly everywhere. Patrick St. Michel used the incident to look at pranking on Japanese social media. Check out that story and more at thejapantimes.co.jp. Production for Deep Dive is by Dave Cortez. Our intern is Natalia Makohon, and the outgoing track is by Oscar Boyd. Our theme song is by the Japanese artist 4L. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, Potsukare-sama.